Hello and welcome back to Explaining Brazil, a new podcast brought to you by The Brazilian Report in partnership with HuffPost Brazil. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, Editor-in-Chief of The Brazilian Report. In this space, we will talk about Brazilian politics, economics and social issues. I'm joined today by Diego Daeta, Editor-in-Chief at HuffPost Brazil. Hello everyone, tudo bem? How are you? Thanks for being here, Diego. Today is just the two of us. Our staff writer, Kiara Long, is not here today. She's enjoying some well-deserved week uh, vacation, uh, but she'll be back next week. I wanted to talk to you um, about President Temer. Last week, we talked about the federal intervention in Rio de Janeiro, and you pointed out that uh, the, the intervention had electoral motivations written all over it. Last Wednesday... Temer's own communications manager confirmed that much, saying that the president is, quote, all in on this intervention, end quote. Uh, so far, since Brazil became a democracy in the 80s, three uh, pres sitting presidents had the right to fight for re-election, Fernando Henrique Cardoso, Lula da Silva, and Dilma Rousseff. And the three of them were successful. But, Diego, it's an uphill battle for Temer, right? He's polling at 1%. Will he be the one who breaks the tradition? Yeah, maybe, and especially because he was not elected, right? He was the vice president of Dilma Rousseff, who was reelected. So, first of all, it's um, a very hard task for President Temer. The first on the polls is former President Lula, you know, who might be out of the game, given that his conviction due to corruption, money laundering, was confirmed by an um, appellate court. So I don't doubt uh, President Lula is to be arrested in the next two, three months. I mean, that's how uh, justice is working here in Brazil. Um, and the second in the polls is Jair Bolsonaro, the right-wing conservative candidate. He has at least 15% of the support in polls. Uh, and before Temer, uh, Gustavo, there is an area of uh, several candidates, at least six, seven. So Temer has only 1% of people's choices, which is... Uh, definitely such a small support and and that that's where we see the federal intervention as something planned by his allies such as Moreira Franco who is a minister very close and a close friend of uh, Michel Temer uh, trying to um, work on this campaign for re-election of the president. No, and the, the funny thing is uh, like you said Lula is way ahead, then is Bolsonaro, the far right. We're going to, in future episodes, talk about those two. Uh, um, but uh, if Lula is out, and he will probably be out, then the election is up for grabs. Because you have Bolsonaro, who is very well placed, but then you have uh, four or five candidates with five, six percent of the voting intentions. You don't have two clear-cut candidates to go against each other on the runoff stage. This could be the first election where 15% of the votes in the first round could be enough to get you to the next level. And uh, we've never seen that before. Every candidate who went to the second, to the runoff stage, had at least 20, 25% of voting intentions. Yeah, it's true, Gustavo. But, you know, on the other hand, this election actually reminds me of the campaign of 1989 
when you had so many candidates and for instance Paulo Maluf who back there was major of Sao Paulo and Brizola you know who was left wing activist they they were always fighting they were like the two most popular names one of the two most popular names right and but Lula and Fernando Collor our first president who was impeached they were in the second round so i mean we we have been there uh, um, uh, in the past you know in this um, atmosphere of indefinition because of the number of candidates and i guess this is um is it summarizes how people are not trusting politicians anymore, how hard it is to cope with someone's campaign. Um, why would you fight for a candidate, a politician, if all of them are involved with crimes, with corruption? And that's the overall sense of, of people here in Brazil. Don't you think so, Gustavo? Yes, uh, uh, I believe that people are mistrusting politicians as much as they ever been. But uh, to... to... To take your point on uh, 1989, to do a comparison, 1989, the first presidential election since the 1960s was the first one uh, after the military dictatorship, and you have you had almost 20 candidates, if I'm, uh, I remember well. But even in 1989, and we did a, a story on that on the Brazilian Report, uh, ev in every election since the democratization, uh, the two the first the top two candidates had at least five percent of uh public support by february of the election year and seven percent in march so temer is kind of very far off that uh oh yeah our, cur our current president is very unpopular i yeah. don't doubt this no because yeah he, he's polling at one percent uh unless i don't know he turns rio into stockholm within the next few months, which won't happen, as we both know. Uh, I don't see him getting traction as he should be. Of course, there are a lot of other factors. Uh, for instance, in Brazil, um, a, almost half of the population does not have access to the Internet, and they get their information on candidates through radio and television. And in Brazil... Uh, we have a system of um, every day during the campaign season, parties have 40 minutes of air, free airtime uh, on TV and radio, and it's split uh, proportionally to uh, congressional representation. So if a party has 10% of the seats in the lower house, it will have 10% of uh, the free airtime each day. And um, the bigger your coalition is, the uh, more the more time you have. And Temer, he is the head of Brazil's strongest um, party in terms of elected officials, in terms of congressmen, uh, senators, mayors. So, how do you think this will play out? Uh, TV airtime and uh, money, because. Um, Parties with more congressional representation, with more seats in the House, also get more money from a public fund to, f to finance campaigns. And this is not a good news for those voters who don't feel represented by the current parties, right, Gustavo? Because exactly the three biggest parties, MDB, who is President Temer's party, 
Workers' Party, PT, from President Lula and PSDB, they are the biggest parties, so they are getting the, the biggest amount of money, public fund, you know, public funded by us citizens, as well as getting the biggest time on television. So um, this could be uh, regarded as unfair since you have now uh, more politicians and, and more parties. And sometimes people involved with social movements, they are also tied with this, this uh, small parties. So, I mean, uh, yes, President Temer, he has a chance because of because he's running the country right and exactly because you are in charge you are in power you already have an advantage strategically speaking and how do However, you explain for instance in polls when you ask people do you support the government uh, the amount of people who supports the government is actually bigger than the amount of people who says they support the president so once you throw Tamer's name into the mix all of the sudden people uh, uh, jump off the the, the bandwagon. I mean, they uh, people who, in theory, says they support the government, actually reject the president. How do you explain that? For, because it's kind of contradictory, right? Yeah, but you know, Temer is not exactly the most charismatic politician that we have met, right? Uh, and you know, on Twitter, you always can see memes like he's a diva or a vampire and you also watch the parade of Rio de Janeiro in which he was represented as um, uh, a vampire I mean um, so people make fun of him uh, but yeah I guess um, I was in Rio de Janeiro uh, last week and Gustavo and I spoke to you know uh, receptionists in the hotel with cab drivers and all of them said, of course, this is a very important operation, like the intervention, federal intervention in Rio de Janeiro, um, giving back the sense of uh, security for people. However, for them, it's like a flashy operation. And they, they think that, okay, you can see the army on the streets, military on the streets, and oh, this is something like temporary and maybe just for, for the cameras, for the press. Um, so, so people are not I, supporting the intervention? Uh, people think this is a very important step, but they think this is not enough, actually. You know, of course, I didn't go to favelas, to Islam, so I, I don't have their opinion. I'm quite sure that sometimes they can feel this is very invasive, especially when you see those pictures of the military, like uh, looking into the uh, handbag of uh, students, like children. No, but we, we had also the case of uh, an Olympic medal winner uh, who was on a cab and yeah. um, who was treated as a criminal for the simple fact that she is a resident of the favela. Or at least as a suspect, right? They yeah. want to know everything about her and, and where she was coming from and what was her job. And then when she said, well, I, I, I don't work, actually, I'm an, an athlete. And then they said, oh, you're, you're the girl of the Olympics. You got the medal. So uh, Rafaela Silva, yes. I mean, this was a case of prejudice, of uh, discrimination from my viewpoint. On the other hand, you can see that people who are not involved with crime and of course, this is like the majority of cariocas. 
they support this type of operation because they want to to have more security. But going back to President Stammer, so I guess it was a very strategic move. And he knew, and uh, Moreira Franco, who's definitely a very clever guy, he knew that this would have an impact not only for Cariocas, but also for Brazilians saying, oh, that's what we want. I mean, we want security. So the army on the streets, like more disciplined uh, people, uh, uh, the military can give this uh, security sensation back. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, a sharp move, but we will only see the results if this is not only a flashy operation, right? Because if what the residents of Rio told me is true, maybe uh, Temer's popularity won't increase because they will say, oh, the crime is still here. You know, the drug dealers are, are still here and this military actions, they are not, you know, being successful. So um, I admit this was a, a brave um, action of the government trying to, you know, becoming more popular. And as you said, the government is already more popular than Teme. So we have to uh, follow up on the results, on the aftermath of this intervention. And in as the much next for me as m- for me as much as Temer is a long shot, and I believe he is a long shot. Um, he, he's a guy who dodged not one but two indictment requests. I mean, uh, at one point in May 2017, every reasonable people said he will lose his office. Um, just to a quick reminder, in May, uh, it became public audio recordings between Temer and uh, a businessman where the two of them were discussing paying hush money to the former Speaker of the House who was in jail and who was involved in a corruption scheme. Um, there was substantial evidence of wrongdoing by, by the president, uh, and he managed to dodge two bullets. So I remember um, talking to a political analyst at the time who said, this is politics and this is Brazil, so anything could happen. And as much as I think that pulling at 1% Tamer doesn't seem not a bit uh, as a competitive candidate, yes, if there are some feel-good factors, maybe like if the economy starts... Uh, to to get better if unemployment rates go down a little bit from here to uh, October. Uh, yeah, he could very well become a competitive candidate, not in the way of getting 15, 20% of votes, but maybe fighting for a spot at the runoff stage. And then it's, it's, a, it's a new election, right? You're right, but as you said, the economy is a, a little better right now. I mean, you can see the unemployment rates decreasing. I understand this is like a, a very slow movement, but the um, figures show this. And the inflation uh, decreases the, 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 the rates. So what I can see is if Temer doesn't say he's the responsible for this, someone will uh, be acknowledged by this improve uh, in, uh, in the economy uh, figures. So the who, finance who, who minister... Who is this someone? 
well, maybe the finance minister in Hikimeirelles, who's also, uh, who has also only 1% of support in polls. Um, and who also you know, wants to run for president. Yeah, he wants. And, you know, his party, which is PSD, uh, doesn't think he's prepared because he doesn't have actually uh, a conduct, a position of someone who's running for presidency. And that's why, actually, um, Meirelles is looking for a party like MDB, which is President Temer's MDB. So uh, let me put this way. If Temer is not running for president, maybe his uh, finance minister, minister is running and he will be like the, 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 the second name of MDB, MDB for this, this position. I don't know if you follow Meirelles on Facebook. Do you follow him, Gustavo? Only on Twitter. Yeah, on Facebook, he's always trying to take all the credit for the good numbers in economy that you see right now. I mean, the reduction yeah, of... As you say, I'm, I'm on, um, surfing on his Facebook page after you, you mentioned it. And yes, every all only headlines with uh, the industry has gotten better, the unemployment has gone down, investments are up... <laughs> Yeah, his online campaign has started. So if his party, PSD, says that he doesn't have like a position of candidate, at least online, he is definitely a candidate. And I, I am the last post that he wrote was something like this. You know, I was president of an international bank and then I thought, oh, my God, what I'm doing, I should, you know, give something back to my country, given that my origins were like public school. I was a student of public school. So uh, this is so populist, right? Saying, oh, you know, I was poor. I, 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 I was born in the northeast of the country, like the Lula's rhetoric. So, But uh, uh, Medellin's presence on social media, he kind of started late, right? Because um, I'm checking, he has 77,000 followers. And if you go, yeah, it's true. for instance, Jair Bolsonaro, who's maybe the most active candidate on social media, he has like 5.2 million people following him. Not to yeah. mention all the unofficial pages dedicated to him. So 77, yeah. it's not a big reach. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but he has a good level of engagement because, you know, today on Facebook, it's not only about the reach, it's about the engagement. And you can see that he has lots of supporters and fans. And I can bet that they are real liberals, right? They don't feel represented by the traditional politicians and think that because of his career in the financial market, he could be someone to trust, someone who can handle the Brazilian economy and even the government. Uh, so I think he still has a chance in the um, presidential campaign. Uh, but yeah, he lacks charisma the same way as Temer. Don't you think so? <laughs> yeah, definitely. In Brazil, Temer was uh, already described as a butler in a horror movie. <laughs> Not exactly <laughs> what would you call a, a charismatic dude. But... Uh, uh, there's a running gag uh, in Brazilian politics. Is It's like you have three certainties in life, death, taxes, and that Michel Temer and his party will be in the presidential coalition. Since Definitely. Brazil became a democracy, every single elected government had MDB and Michel Temer 
as an ally. Uh, we are out of time. Diego, I'd like to thank you for joining me. And thanks to all of our listeners this week. We're glad you joined us. If you like what you heard, please take a few minutes to check out our reporting at the Brazilian Report. You can find new pieces on Brazilian politics, economics, and society every day on our website. That's Brazilian.report. We love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. Please get in touch and let us know what you think or your suggestions for what else you'd like to hear from us. You can reach us via the Brazilian Report's website or Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian underscore rap. This podcast was written and produced by me, Gustavo Ribeiro, for the Brazilian Report, and we'll see you next week. Quando se canta todo mundo bole, quando se canta todo mundo bole, quando se canta todo mundo bole, o samba da minha terra 